Rava. Um, thank you for talking to me about your health journey. I really wanted to know about the challenges which you went through to find what worked for you to improve your health and well-being. It wasn't a conventional approach. Um, it was an approach which probably people would laugh at or question it or disbelieve it and disbelieve you, which is the worst of all, in my opinion. Um, can you tell me um, how did your disalignment within your body start? When did you first notice that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I've always been pretty healthy um, growing up. I always could eat everything. I had a, a younger sister who had some, um, you know, gut intestinal, gastrointestinal issues um, and was diagnosed with a chronic illness at a very younger age. Um, so I was always aware of that and what that meant. Um, and also being a doctor myself, so I, I work in the emergency department. Um, I'm currently in specialist training. I think I also just was very well aware of different pathologies and, and um, I, I think it was uh, now four years ago that um, I got influenza A um, and then I became quite unwell with it and I had to take uh, a few weeks off and um, ended up with sort of secondary bacterial infections and ended up on antibiotics and right at the back end of that um, and, and you know it's I guess because of my pathology it's really uncertain as to whether they're related or not but I ended up with really severe um, pain, gastrointestinal pain. And um, I ended up in hospital, uh, which I didn't want to go to. The last place you want to go to is the emergency department <laughs> when you work place, there yeah. um, on your days off. Um, but I ended up there and they admitted me. And, um, was it your hospital or different hospital? Uh, it was a different hospital. I, I sort of lived a bit further away from work. So I went to the local hospital. Um, a friend kind of dragged me there because she could tell that I didn't look well. and I. Um, had tried sort of taking some pain relief at home and it hadn't helped. Um, and so I went to hospital and they uh, had to treat me with some morphine and they ended up doing a lot of different tests um, and really not coming to too much of a conclusion as to why I had this pain. And, and I also was not tolerating food very well. So I was vomiting and I had a lot of nausea. Um, and I kind of, in a span of maybe one or two weeks I'd lost a significant amount of weight um, unintentionally um, and so I don't think I think um, having been a doctor I I didn't kind of I knew there was probably other reasons first before that but I wasn't a hundred percent sure what um, because nothing was really showing up they hadn't done any endoscopies or colonoscopies yet and so they did that I I was very fortunate being a doctor I have um, friends that I sort of did my junior years and intern years with who had become gastroenterologists and they really looked after me and they, they did um, a lot more investigations um, and then together we kind of came to the conclusion of maybe doing um, a gastric emptying study because I had some of the symptoms that seemed to correlate with what is called gastroparesis um, which is essentially paralysis of the stomach um, and you can get it as a complication of viruses or a complication of other sort of surgeries or pathologies. And given that I just had flu A, they thought maybe that's what had happened. Um, and, and incidentally, well, the, the gastric emptying study was abnormal. And I went and saw a motility specialist um, who was really supportive and they knew that I was a doctor and, and 
it kind of opened up. To be honest, gastroparesis is probably a disease process that doesn't get too much attention in medicine. I feel like in med school, I probably learned about it in the context of diabetics having it. Um, I don't think I knew that a significant amount of people, or even young people that get it, there's not really a known cause. Um, whether it's an autoimmune disease or whether there's something else like a virus or bacteria that causes it, we, we don't really know. And I think there's a significant, there's about 300,000 people in Australia alone that suffer from gastroparesis. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, there's not really any good treatment for it. Um, there are prokinetics, which are medications that help move the gut along. Um, that helps some people, but many people find, I certainly found that after maybe a few weeks, they didn't help anymore. Um, I, you know, the, the, often what happens is some of these, you know, uh, young patients end up on nasogastric feed, so they have a tube that goes down into the stomach and they get fed because that's the only way that they don't feel pain or discomfort. Interesting, the next week is the feeding, uh, tube feeding awareness week. Oh, is it? I, did, I didn't know that. That's, it, and you know, it just, you. I started to realize, I mean, it's hard to explain to people what it's like, but it's sort of like, imagine if you have like a horrible gastroenteritis or let's say you're hungover or you've got morning sickness because of pregnancy, you kind of think, oh, that's going to end and that it lasts one or two days or whatever, and then you get better. But it's, you feel that horrible all the time, every day for months and months and sometimes years. And um, I think... You begin to, I began to really, really rethink about how, because I knew I didn't want to have nasogastric feeds, and I knew that people that failed nasogastric feeds went on to have TPN, which is getting fed via the vein, and that diminishes your, your life expectancy, well, and even your life expectancy by a significant amount of years. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the suffering through the symptoms and not having relief it's not knowing whether this was ever going to end and also not being able to have anything to do to make it better. And you, you feel really helpless and you feel, um, you also kind of feel a little bit like when we don't know something in medicine very well, there isn't much, that, I mean, there's definitely research that's going into gastroparesis, but it's, it's limited to say the least. And we don't, you know, there's a few operations that you can do. They're not always effective. Um, there's some young girls that I've seen with stoma bags and I've met some of these people and I really like there's just a significant amount of suffering. They're, they're young people that could have been very productive parts or aspects of society and I mean I definitely had to take time off being a doctor. I took six months. I had my mum had to come look after me. Um, and so I yeah I think it was the uncertainty and I think mentally when you deal with chronic pain and symptoms that are uncomfortable and there's no relief and you don't really see the light in the end, um, I think you start thinking you know, a little bit more low in life and you start getting depressed about things and you start thinking, well, you know, if this is going to go on forever, I might want to end things myself because I just don't, I can't see myself living like this. Just the quality is really poor. Um, quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I, so I'd lost about 12 kilos in a in a two or three weeks. Um, 
I'd been vomiting so much that I'd cracked a lot of my back teeth. Um, I, it was really hard to hold anything down. No, no antiemetics or medications worked. Um, yeah, I, I, there was times when I thought that I might die, to be honest. I wasn't 100% sure. There, there are people that do die from gastroparesis or complications thereof. Um, but I think because it's such, it's such an uncommon illness, I think, not, again, not much attention is given to it. Um, and not much awareness is there. And I do think that because, whilst I have so much respect and love for my own field of medicine, I do think that sometimes when we don't know the answer to things and there isn't enough research around it, we, we can kind of go into the realm of thinking something is functional um, or thinking something is you know, related to like mind, gut, and it's not actually maybe a real pathological process. Um, and there's been many examples in the past, and I, I, these are really bold statements I'm making, I think, about medicine, but as a senior doctor, I think I can make them. But I think, you know, things like MS or um, endometriosis or a lot of, a number of diseases in the past that we put down to other sort of causes that weren't correct, and now we understand a bit more about, for example, autoimmune or, um, you know, pathos really is exactly, even allergies like you were speaking about before. Um, so I think I just got to the point where I was like, if I'm going to get out of this, it's not going to be the traditional way because there really isn't an answer. And I think my colleagues, you know, speaking to some of the, you know, the best motility specialists probably in Australia, um, and also my own colleagues who are in gastroenterology, I think they supported me um, looking at alternatives because they basically said whatever works, works. And if you can get out of that cycle, then do it. Um, and so I went on a journey of, um, look, I've been really always really open-minded about alternative options. Um, but I, yeah, I really, I, I studied, I went and sat in Ayurvedic doctors' offices, homeopaths, naturopaths, um, Chinese herbalists. I did Reiki. I did, I mean, I did every possible thing. I even explored the idea of, is this actually just in my mind? But I, you know, I was a very healthy, active individual. I was always at the gym. I enjoyed eating healthy food. Um, I had a great, like I was in a great place in my life. I was doing what I love at work. I had great friends. I don't know why all of a sudden I would be, you know, in the position that I was in. And, you know, it wasn't, nothing really came out of those. And then it was probably about six months into being sick that um, I think my sister sent me uh, a picture of a book. And it was the medical medium book. Um, and around the same time, I had another girlfriend send me um, a photo saying, hey, have you heard about this? And they had both had friends that had told them about it because they had chronic illnesses and it was kind of like the only thing that it worked for them was the I guess protocol if you like in these books and it was largely around diet and I and yeah exactly but I mean it was it was about and it was interesting I, I think I kind of put it aside for a little while thinking oh you know I've tried everything why would this work um, and I think I, I went, my parents decided we should go away on a holiday for a couple of weeks and just get, you know, get some air and try something different. Throughout, I went to Byron Bay and throughout that time I was pretty unwell, like I just was not feeling great. But I remember we went into a bookstore and I saw the book 
that I had been, and I, it was only like $20, and here I'd paid all this money to see all thousands these different, like, you know, um, herbal doctors and specialists and so on, and, um, and I read the book, and it was fascinating, because it just, and even as a doctor, it kind of made sense to me. It was a lot around um, why a lot of people with chronic illnesses are getting sicker and sicker and why maybe we don't really, we might have missed the mark with how we're managing. Um, and a lot of it has to do with maybe there's, you know, the viruses and the bacteria that we get. We often think in medicine, once you have them, you're then immune and you might have what we call like an IgG response, as in it's chronic and it's no longer affecting you. But the book talks a lot about what if that wasn't the case? What if the Epstein-Barr virus that you had in your body was actually continuing to, to you know, cause havoc in other ways that we didn't think were related? Um, and there were some interesting studies. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's some interesting studies that came out of Harvard recently showing, you know, the correlation between MS and Epstein-Barr virus. And um, even now certain cancers, and we know, for example, uh, like hepatitis is related to certain liver cancers and and so why is it that we think that our others aren't or viruses and, and now that we've had COVID the amount of respect that I think the medical industry we now have for for how you know the long COVID and, and what it can do to your body so maybe there's something more to that and maybe some of our chronic illnesses are caused as a result of that it's a theory and of course we haven't had studies to necessarily prove those things but it's actually not very far-fetched and it's not something that's foreign to medicine it's just something we haven't really spent too much focus on um, and on top of that things like you know what environmental things are causing um, you know we have a, we talk a lot about food intolerances you were talking about food allergies before there's a lot of food intolerances especially in pediatrics um, now is, you know, food intolerances, you know, what is that? What does that mean? Why is it all of a sudden that people can't tolerate gluten or they can't tolerate this or eggs or dairy or whatever? Um, and he, there's, the book just had so many fascinating explanations. Um, and I was like, you know what? It makes logical sense to me. And the diet that he proposed in the book was easy enough. And I tried everything else and it was actually really healthy. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. Because I, um, I, first day in Byron, I read the entire book, um, stayed up all night, read it. The next day, um, it has a lot of juicing in it. Um, it has a lot of, you know, use of fruits and vegetables. Um, and it has a few foods that you're to avoid for various reasons. Um, and so I started with the whole juicing um, namely celery juice in the mornings um, which again like I think if people you know as a western doctor I might have laughed at that 10 years ago or even five years ago but you know you're at a point where you're like I'll do anything and I've tried everything and I just don't want to be sick anymore and within a week the pain went away um, and then I cut out things like eggs and dairy um, my nausea went away and I start to tolerate food better and I started to gain some of that weight back. Um, I then, within a month of cutting out a few of those other things, um, I was back at work, functioning as an emergency doctor. And it's been a healing journey. It's been a process. You know, it's you know, healing isn't always a linear line. It's sometimes you know a little bit like this. Um, but I've just, I'm now, I think, four years down the track at a point where. 
Um, you know, I used to be on Mattress Island where I couldn't get out of bed. I now can exercise and go out and meet with friends. And, and I think I've healed to the point where every so often if I eat something that isn't necessarily in line with the diet, my body copes with it and tolerates it. Um, but for the most part, I'm really happy with, with how I like what I'm eating. And I feel like I'm a healthier person. Um, a lot of things got better, not only just the gastroparesis. I mean, I no longer have gastroparesis symptoms. That's completely gone. Um, I used to have really bad asthma. Um, and the asthma, I used to be on steroids every winter. I was using Ventolin twice a week. I was on a preventer. Haven't used any of that in three years. Um, I had hay fever really badly. I was on antihistamines every day. Don't need it at all. Never get hay fever anymore. Um, yeah, just things like improved in general in my health. And I, yeah, my nutrition's the best it's probably ever been. Um, in many ways, it stopped me to, you know, like I think, you know, I think people for the most part can be healthy, but every so often you eat the wrong things. And I, and I, I think this diet kind of stops me from doing that, which is nice. It kind of keeps me on the healthy track. Um, and yeah, I don't, like, I'm, I'm just exceptionally grateful to, I think you were talking about freedom, you know, food freedom in the past. I now feel like I have the freedom to live my life without pain and without nausea and vomiting and to just live a very normal life. Like, I can go out with my friends to a restaurant now. I can still go out with my friends and hang out with them. Um, whereas before, yeah, before it was like they would have to come to my house and look after me or visit me or I just, I kind of felt more like a burden if anything else. And I still, you know, I'm part of those support groups um, and I still watch, unfortunately, some of those people suffering. And I have reached out to some of them to say, look, this is my journey if anyone's interested. Um, there's been a couple people that have, and I've kind of helped them through that process, and they've found really great results. Um, but then there's a lot of people, I think, you know, and, I, and it's interesting because as a doctor, I, like, I've, I think I'm probably a pretty open-minded person. Um, but there's a lot of people that aren't in the medical industry, and they have the disease, and, um, you know, they've told me things like, no, we're just going to wait for, um, you know, research to come out with an answer, and you know, how would diet possibly ever change this illness? And, um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest factors about healing is that you have to want to really heal and you have to be able to recognize that sometimes it doesn't come in the format or the way that you think it's going to happen. Um, That's a great advice for everybody. I think we do wonderful things in medicine. I think, you know, I think I have so much respect for my colleagues um, but I also think that there's you know we're, we're not we're not perfect and I think we're still learning and we're still learning how to help people and um, sometimes there's answers to things that we haven't just yet come around to investigating or looking at and I just didn't want to wait for that to happen I didn't want to wait 40 years of being ill and I just didn't think I could um, so it was that desire to Live life. It was a desire to live and to feel like, and to just not feel like that anymore. I just didn't envision my life being sick all the time. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, and you found a way out. Yeah. I know not everyone's always fortunate in that way. I think there's a lot of different chronic illnesses, different, you know, cancers and 
there's a lot of different lethal um, pathologies and I, I just like I said before I'm just always really grateful for being given the opportunity to live my life again um, because for a while I wasn't sure what was going to happen it was a lot of uncertainty. If you were to meet um, Anthony Green tomorrow what would you tell him? Anthony yeah so Anthony Williams um, Anthony gosh I, I would say to him uh, you are an, a legend and thank you so much for helping me and so many people. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it is kind of a bizarre way to think about it because he doesn't, you know, he, he's not necessarily from a medical background and I am. And, uh, but I do like everything I've read from what he's written makes theoretical sense to me. And I know that, you know, you know, people have different judgments and views, um, but I feel like saying, find me something else that could have helped. Find me something else that gave me my life back. And maybe I would have looked at that too, but there wasn't. And so I'm eternally grateful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your journey. No worries. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>